Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. My name is Sophie Collins, and I am a mother and entrepreneur, and I am obsessed with feeling my best. This show is going to cover everything from work to wellness to motherhood and what it looks like to encompass all of those things into your life. I hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Obsessed with Feeling My Best. I am super excited to bring you today's conversation with two of my good friends, Kelsey Crane and Nicholas Gonzalez. Nicholas Gonzalez is best known for his portrayal of the charming and exacting Dr. Neil Melendez in ABC's global hit, The Good Doctor. He's a Texas native, Stanford grad, and he has had an incredible decade-spanning career in film and television. And he is married to the incredible Kelsey Crane, who is a good friend of mine, um, an incredible mom, also an actor herself, a producer alongside her husband as well. And most recently, her focus has been in organic gardening and as an Earthworks student and activist. And she says, for now. And the thing that I love about Kelsey and Nick is their desire to consistently follow their curiosity curiosities, self-evolve, play with flexibility, and really ask themselves, does this dream give me peace? And those few things are actually cut directly from an email that was sent to me from Kelsey and Nick as we were prepping for the podcast. They are just such incredible people to chat with. We go over everything from their acting careers, how they got into acting, dreams changing, their kids, thinking about what we can do to help the environment, deciding on what food to grow, what food to buy. And there is just so much we get into in this conversation. And I hope you love it as much as I did. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that One Wednesday is hosting a really fun event with Formula Fig at their Ambleside location. We are going to be launching our new colorways, Forest, Charcoal, and Midnight Blue, exclusively at the event on November 30th from 6.30 to 8 p.m. We're going to be offering mini light therapy treatments, 15% off skincare, bubbles, collagen mocktails, and more. And I hope you can join us. Make sure to check out the link in the show notes to RSVP. Okay, Kelsey Crane and Nicholas Gonzalez, thank you so much for joining the show today. I am just so excited for this conversation. Oh, we're so excited to be here. We love you, and we're so excited about everything you're doing. And I know. We, we wish we were still in the same city. I know. Um, <laughs> although, like, how busy is it still? You know, we don't even get, get to see each other as much as we'd like to, but... I know. And you know what? You are not the only one who still wishes you were in this city because when I asked people what they wanted to talk about, a lot of it was, Nick, you leaving Vancouver and leaving the good doctor. So should we just get that elephant out of the way first and foremost? I don't know. Or maybe we make all those people watch until the very end and then we answer the question. Okay, I like it. <laughs> I like it. We'll leave the hot topic for the end. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why don't we get started with just both of you introducing yourselves? Kelsey, why don't you go first? I'll do a little intro with a bit of your backgrounds, but yeah, just tell it in your words and what you're here today to talk about. Well, hi, everyone. My name is Kelsey, and um, my most important job and role definitely is being a mom. I have two wonderful kids, and um, it's been my dream to be a mom for a long time, so I'm so grateful to be fulfilling that and having our family together. I am an actor. Nick and I have recently moved into the position of producer. Well, he started it and then I've joined on. Surpassed me immediately. (laughs) And I, about two years ago, three years ago, my goodness, really started looking into gardening. It started with my gut not being right and some infertility issues that led to me figuring out, well, my gut is just like the soil and researching the soil and then really wanting to grow my own food and then trying to mix gardening with my kids. And that's really where 
I'm interested in my work now and just really a student of earthworks right now, a lot of permaculture studies, and I'm really loving it. Amazing. I can't wait to chat so much more about that. And that's so I'm so curious about the work that you're doing, especially as it relates to how you're bringing your kids into it. I think that will be incredible to to share. And Nick, why don't you introduce yourself? You know, I think we've both been acting for so long. And, you know, in this business, that's what I'm so excited about, too, is, is you know, food and, and how we source it and and the land. And sh- that's because of this one who's gotten us so excited about it. And a little note is that even during the pandemic, you know, we were all changed our diet along with her, you know, and mm-hmm. learned so much about how that affects us. And, you know, parents came off meds and so many different things that happened for us. Your recipe is so for a big part of that. <laughs> it was a huge part. Oh. That was we, we did that reset and started off with, and that got us so interested. But for those of you who uh, don't know, I'm an actor. I've been doing this for 20, 25 years or so. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm a Texas boy, uh, but I've been in California ever since I came out for college. I'm a graduate of Stanford University, English major, and you know now I'm just in in this this business of of story and allied with this woman to tell some ones that we're excited about, as opposed to just kind of waiting for what comes along from the business. We've both been very fortunate to have things come along, but at the same time, matching your own excitement for a project with something greenlit that you can then join isn't always possible. So you got to do it yourself. You got to tell your stories, tell stories you're interested in. And I think that's what we are now. Yeah. Amazing. And I think now more than ever with everything that's going on in the industry is probably even better that you're going to be able to be telling your stories and have more of an active role. I think that you know, as you know, I had a brief stint in acting and like that was the hardest part for someone who's goal oriented and super proactive to go into that industry and not be able to necessarily set goals and achieve them because oftentimes it's so out of your hands. Absolutely. I always am jealous of musicians that are able to just like pick up their guitar and jam with friends. And it does feel like with actors, you do need a little bit of a permission slip to get to to get to play. And not that you can't be reading plays and doing that kind of thing with friends and be in acting classes. Um, but that is a tough part of the industry. So finding other ways to be creative um, and feel alive and productive is really in- important. You know, and it's also so necessary for your life to be rich, you know, mm-hmm. and you find when you're on this this Hollywood treadmill, you're looking for that that next thing constantly that you don't leave town, you don't go on vacations, you miss weddings, funerals, important family stuff because, well, this could be when I'm getting this next part or you are working if you're fortunate. But I think that's what we've come to realize is, you know, acting has now come to find us when we're having fun in our lives and we're doing things other than, and it comes and grabs us and goes, Hey, do you want to come do this for a little bit? And we're like, Oh yeah, but I'm excited to get back to my life, which I think that was the advice I would give to anyone. And Lee Kilton Smith, who actually married us and she's an incredible acting coach. Um, or a friend, everything. Everything. Wow. Um, wildlings. <laughs> she talks a lot about that, that when you're an actor, you're an artist, she reflects life. So live life, mm-hmm. you know, and make sure you're drawing from your own experience, make it full and beautiful and diverse. And then you have more to pull from in your art. And yeah. So even though you have to wait for that phone to ring, you never want to stop living. But I know what you were saying with, you know, it's there's no A plus B equals C and you'll reach it. Sometimes you never reach A, you never reach B or some people skip straight to C. And, you know, it's not a meritocracy by any means. And the smallest things that keep you from the role of your life are as simple as your hair color that day or the you resembled somebody else in the cast already. (laughs) Or, you know, there's so many reasons why you're not going to get the part. It's maddening. It's a numbers game. And it's almost you're throwing up so much against the wall until finally you know, you come across the project that's right for you. And, you know, I wish we understood that almost sooner, but therein lies the game. Yeah, absolutely. I think with experience and age and time comes so much wisdom. And I often think that if I were to go back to the the art and craft of acting now, it would be so much richer because of everything I've experienced in the last 10 years. So how did you both get into acting? 
Kels, why don't we start with you? I bet Peter, Peter's, Peter's like, hold on, Andre. <laughs> yeah, she's like, not going to go back. You have Peter's enough going like, on. <laughs> do it, so do it. Yeah. No, Sophie, you do not need to have another job. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the ideal scenario. <laughs> Maybe when the kids are in college. <sighs> but that is, can come back to it at any point. Yeah. Anyone can, you know? And another thing that Lee says is, um, which I think is so beautiful is every day you wake up, you are just beginning. You know, it's a new day and a new yeah. dawn, a new, a new life, life for me. <laughs> um, no, but it is um, a, new, a new opportunity to begin. So at any point. Well, Brilliant. I always think that Nick's story of getting into it is really remarkable because even though he did have to work in a restaurant, which he claims was a long time, but <laughs> as someone who was in a restaurant for 10 years, I'd like to say it was not. I want to, on the record, he was discovered quite quickly, not for a lack of talent or hard work, but I mean, look Wait, at Wait, you space. were discovered, like, like fully discovered, like in the restaurant or like you went to an audition, like tell the story. That's, I haven't met anyone who's actually that I, I knew of that I thought I know you, but I didn't realize you were discovered. That was always my dream and still is like, I walk by sets and I'm like, just, just here. And just was, here I am. I was serving cocktails in a bar being like, was that a good martini? Should I be in the movie? No. Okay. Am I the next Bond girl? You tell me. You tell <laughs> me. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I, I've told this story quite a bit, and uh, but I'll try to do the shortened version. But for me, I hadn't, I'd never been to LA, never been to Hollywood, except driving through as a kid or Disneyland or something. But I graduated early from Stanford like an idiot. I don't know why I didn't spend more time. Like, I want to go back to school now. I would love to take more classes. But I graduated a little early, headed right for L.A., lived on the beach because I was a Texas boy from South Central Texas that, you know, the beach was a big deal. And so I was <laughs> living in Venice in a in a small um, studio. And, you know, the story is it's just a, a series of people. You know, I ran into a, an actor who was on a show called Caroline in the City at the time. This is 1998. Wow. And it just happened to meet him and then almost ran him over about a month later with my car as I was backing up out of the video store, returning my rental. They were <laughs> like, were yes, yeah. exactly. But not like those jungle video, which has real sounds crazy, but no, they had like all the best, you know, auteur films and all this. Oh kind yeah. Of, uh, we, we love Eddie like Ray. an indie. It's like an indie bookstore now, oh, like right. the indie video store. Yeah, that yeah. was the place to be on a Friday night for me, at least. <laughs> So I was backing up, almost almost hit this guy on a bike, you know, and then he's like, hey, Nick, I'm having a birthday tonight. Come by. And it's the very place where I was waiting tables. And I've been waiting tables. I, I guess when I was all said and done, I, I waited tables for about six months in, in L.A. Okay. <laughs> Not long. <laughs> it could have been three. Hours, it could have been months. three. I, I think I went on about six years. Um, <laughs> I know. Yeah. And, um... So that night I came to his party and everybody at the, you know, all my coworkers were like, what's going on? I know these people. And I was like, <laughs> you know, met a few Almost people. Almost hit him with my car. <laughs> yeah, met a few people that night at, at the party. And one of them, we, you know, exchanged information and all that. And he was like, you know what? You got to come with me to my acting class. And, you know, I had this, this thing that when I came to LA, I wasn't going to be getting a new headshot every month, changing, you know, going to a new acting class and and then blaming my headshot for why I wasn't working. I just kind of, I didn't know a lot about the business, but I felt like that was a lot of people's story and I didn't want to have that same story. So I was a little, you know, ah, I'm not really that interested in the class. And, you know, I, meanwhile, at that time, I definitely needed it, still do. And uh, finally, I relented when he's like, just come with me one, one day. You know, it's a cold reading class. And it was like, I was going to say it's over in the valley now. It's like where we live. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we used to live in all the different cool areas in LA and now we're in the valley. It's just now cool. <laughs> Well, you guys do have the craziest garden, which we'll get to. So I think it's worth living in the valley for that for that plot of land. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, uh, you know, a, a tiny little studio, wood panels, little risers, you know, and, and this woman sitting there, Candy Konecki Herman, who is one of the most amazing teachers if you ever get a chance to work with mm -hmm. her, works with children and adults and her husband. I mean, her um, son, Ryan Hurst, is an incredible actor. Look him up. At any rate, I was fortunate enough to be in this class and I was sitting in the back just kind of sitting there watching people. And she goes, you up there, come down. I'm like, I got a scene for you to read. And I was like, oh, no, I'm just auditing. And she's like, yeah, that's part of it. Come down and you read the scene. And she was very complimentary afterwards. She asked me my story. I, I sat there in front of her, told her a little bit about, you know, where I was from and whatnot. And, 
and I left early. I remember I had to get to work. And when I was leaving, I met this woman that my friend was great about introducing me to going, oh, hey, uh, this is Sally Piper. She's the other part of this management company and acting class. And she teaches kids. And she was at that time working on General Hospital, coaching uh, actors and kids on it. And um, we met each other, really sweet woman, didn't think anything of it, left, went to my shift, got home. And on my answering machine, (laughs) it was a physical thing. I had a message waiting for me and he goes, do I have uh, good news for you, young man? He goes, that woman we met as you left early today, she went inside and then said, hey, that guy that I just met, can he act? She gave a, Candy gave a favorable, you know, um, report of everything. And they said, short story is they'd love to meet with you. They'd love to represent you. And we went to Marie Callender's because it was super (laughs) fancy, which, you know, Marie Callender's is like. I don't know if you guys have Denny's up there. We did have yeah. Denny's up there, didn't we? <laughs> we calendars and we had a very, you know, special meal. And uh, they said all the right things, you know. And uh, from then on, they just kind of took me everywhere. It was a good time. And and 98 in L.A., Living La Vida Loca was the song. And mm. everybody was kind of looking for uh, a young Latino in their, in their projects. And uh, I kind of came on the spot at the right time with the right tools and background and yeah, because Things just kind of talk about what your first role, what they were casting for. Well, well I, I landed a series at the end of my first year. A lead of a series on Showtime. And he wow. was a, a former boxer. I mean, a medical student whose family was into boxing and he used to, and he was younger, that leaves medicine to go back into boxing to help the family when they're in dire straits. And essentially was the center of the show, but surrounded by incredible amazing actors, Tony Plana, Elizabeth Pena, you know, Michael DeLorenzo, all these people that I had, you know, watched for so long. And that was my learning ground. And that was my training for three seasons. So I was very fortunate and a drama. And it was the first Latino primetime series. Wow. That is like a meaty first role too. That's not just like, you know, I would think I was like topless girl number three that I was going out for at the time. <laughs> like, this is that's that's a really exciting. I don't even think I was getting those auditions. That's amazing. That is what a really, really incredible experience and story. And obviously, I mean, your skills have stood the test of time, like spanning a 25 year career. That is, that's not luck. That's not chance. That's like putting in the hard work and having the persistence and grit to stick with it. Kels, what about you? How did you get into the game? Um, well, gosh, Sophie, I just so appreciate what you're saying and was just really, even though I've heard you tell that story before, just your kind of like vision of I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do it this way is something I did not have at the time. And it was a really interesting ingredient for a success yeah. for people to, people want you to be the solution to their casting problem. And when someone has that kind of direct, vision, then it's easy to trust because they have this ownership of self versus like, I can be an all, put me in coach, which is kind of where my story began. (laughs) (laughs) I was like a really shy little kid. I had big red glasses and I was very self-conscious and, you know, very empathetic and emotional as a kid and kind of not really, um, filtered emotion, just felt emotional all the time and couldn't, and was so shy, I couldn't explain it to people. So in third grade, when we, they were casting for the play, I got one line in the play and was so nervous about it. And I remember walking out onto the stage and it was kind of a funny line, which I can't remember what it was, but um, anyway, it got a laugh. And I remember walking off the stage and just being like, wow, I used my voice. I had an impact that created joy in other people. I'm really interested in what this is. And then I immediately dived into class. Um, I really loved being a student and I studied at ACT up in San Francisco. My mom used to let me take the train up there starting at a really young age. I would never let ever do that, I don't (laughs) think, but it was so amazing. I had the best time. I would meet all these drag queens on my on the train on the way up and I got to go study. And I really, really loved the work. I really loved Shakespeare. I know we have that in common. I think I spent a lot of time disappearing into other Mm. characters and it took me a really long life, my life cycle until quite recently 
to realize that acting is really about finding yourself in these people, mm. not becoming someone else, about asking yourself, gosh, what would make me say that? What would make me do that? And the more authentically I can answer that question, the quicker I can be myself in the room, the more fun it is to watch, right? Yeah. I mean, my favorite performances are all, always someone just so dropped in, so, so truthful even though you know it's not their words. They've really just found it in themselves. So yeah, then I spent a lot of, I, I have been really lucky to be on a lot of shows in a little way. Like I opened a lot of doors and said like three things and then shut the door, you know, <laughs> which was always felt like being shot out of a cannon where you're like, my main job here is to not screw up mm -hmm. because... Like, I remember there was this one show I was on, The New Adventures of Old Christine with Julia Dreyfus. And um, I, they had this whole scene. It was like three minutes long. It's in front of a live studio off um, audience. And my job is to cap the scene. And so after, and it's a very physical scene. They were taking all these things on and off the walls. And, and all I have to do is open this door and say three things and then shut the door and the scene's done. And I was just like, you know, you get no time to play or to have someone else affect you. You're literally like shot up a can and don't mess up, don't mess up and then shut the door, you know? Yeah. So I feel like I had, it was so amazing to be on all these different sets and experience things that way, that that was a lot of my experience. And I got to be in um, a horror film as the lead, like right when I graduated college, that was so, so fun. I always stayed in acting class. I loved being with um, Howard Fine. I was with him in his master class for like seven years. Wow. And when I was pregnant with Ever, I went back to back to school. So I just always loved being a student and I was a hungry student. And then recently I got to do two films back to back as the number two lead. And that was really exciting because I think now I'm 40, but as I was getting 35 and beyond, I started to just have this like, well, I'm too tired to be anyone but myself. So, yeah. but like, I can imagine I'm, that's a good thing. It was so such a relief to just be myself. And when that started to happen, cool things started to happen. Like, I've had some big swings at bat recently. Amazing. Two of them went my way with these two films, but I've now, you know, everything's paused because of the writer's strike, but there's been some real traction and it's just been such a beautiful life lesson for me on um, being yourself, you know, and asking yourself, well, how do I feel about that? What would, what would I do in mm -hmm. this situation? Oh. Act like you don't need to shake at the shit for free. Yeah, yeah. You know? it's so true. It's like having the dream and the vision, but kind of letting it go to bring it in however it's going to come in for you and not being like so attached to the outcome of the project or getting the role or even like how the scene is going to go. It's like prepare and then be present to receive is how like what I've learned at least in just every aspect of life. So many never learn, you know, and, and the more I think we've focused on that, the more, I mean, she always has to Tell me about that. I'm always, you know, results based so many times, or I need to put together this, you know, awesome tape and it has to be. And she's the one of like, let's just do this scene. Yeah. Well, yeah. Happen. We can Every get there. Like, don't stop. You know, we can't. It's the uh, intentional fallacy. You know, you can't make people, you're, I'm going to make them feel this way about me and think this and that, you know, and uh, that's the backwards way of doing it. But I did it that way for so long. Me too. I just yeah. wanted to be good so bad. And I knew. I could be, but letting go of the result and trusting the process, and this is acting and life, right? Yeah. Just beyond acting. You have to trust the process. And if that means that you are authentic but fell on your face, well, that is a thousand times more interesting than someone doing a beat by beat. This will probably be good. And I pre planned everything and it's not alive. It's just pre planned. Yeah. Um, and I spent a lot of. I, Those people are terrible. You know, <laughs> no, no, no. I I think letting go of the result and trust, right? That has to be the big thing. And ultimately, if your life is full and beautiful and you don't get the role, 
well, then you're no worse off, right? Everything is just an opportunity. It's just, if I don't get this, nothing bad will happen. It's so true. It's just like the cherry on top. Yeah. So for me, acting has always, I've always described it to myself as acting is like the leaves on my tree, right? It's like, it's the beautiful part of my tree, but it's not the trunk. It's not the branches. That has to be strong and foundational and something that I I can count on. And my art is going to be the embellishment, you know, the leaves on my tree. I need to come up with an analogy. You don't have yeah. a metaphor. I don't <laughs> you don't have a enough. tree of life analogy. <laughs> no, but, you know. but on, that <laughs> use that on one. Flip, That's a good I, one. <laughs> I have watched him like walk into rooms where I'm like, I would be like in an in needed to be in a padded room after that experience. Like so much on the line, so close to the opportunity. And he can walk in there and just and and book it. And I'm like, wow, wow, real trust and real freedom. So you might not have the analogy, but you have can like, I do the cage, not <laughs> allowing it to go anywhere else, but I have that freedom. Yeah, I'm I'm learning, you know, that's uh and that's a, a lot of where she's, you know, helped me out a lot and and teachers that we've sought out along the way that have helped that because I want to hold on to everything and I want to keep it within a place of where I know where it's going to go because once it does, I don't know what's going to happen, but that's life. That's exactly yeah. what happens with life. And I feel that the more we're not afraid to show ourselves, our guilt, our shame, our insecurities, those all need to be laced in. And that's the one thing we hide. That's the first thing we hide because we want to put forth this veneer of, I want you to feel this way about me and think I'm this person, as opposed to realizing like, what's going on? There's a, there's a life before and after this scene mm-hmm. and there's things going on in my head while I'm talking to you. That all has to be there, you know, and, and realizing, oh, I, I need to be present, which you, I mean, honestly, like the maxims you've been throwing out about what you've learned is exactly the meat of it. That's what everyone really needs to get to and say, I, I don't really understand that, but I'm going to practice that because it's so easy to try to just control, but then congratulations, you're in control. Yeah. Someone else got the part. Yeah, it's exactly right. It's like, okay, I feel prepared. I did a good job. I'm going in. It's like, at the end of the day, it really isn't up to you. Like, if you're right for the role, having a bad audition actually probably won't change things because you're probably still going to get it because you're right for the role. But it's, you know, you have to have that balance of preparation and presence. You know, it's it's a fine line to draw. I I know at the end of my acting career, I had this like, this actual literal physical block from memorizing lines. I think I told you this, Kelsey, like I got to a point where I was like, I, I would get sides for an audition the next day or the day after. And I would try to run them. And I was like, I cannot physically get these lines into my body. And I knew I was like, okay, this is like, not what I'm meant to be doing right now. Like this is, it's becoming, there's something that's like, I need to listen to my intuition and say like, okay, what is this telling me? And maybe this isn't for me right now. But it's so hard to understand. Like, when is that, you know, yourself giving up? And when is that listening to yourself and having kind of that fine line between listening and and still persevering? Totally. I, and I think that we've all been raised to be like, okay, you have a dream. Well, it's going to be really tough. It's going to take a lot of hard work and it's going to be like pushing this boulder up a mountain. And no matter what happens, don't stop, you know, just keep going. Even if there's a setback, just even if you're unhappy, keep going. And that's just not a narrative that we want our children to learn or we want there to. I think it's so brave that you did that, that you listened to that inner voice, that intuition and that you followed it because no career, no person, nothing should come in the way of your happiness. And you have to look inside to do that. And if art is how quickly you can be authentic, then that's you being authentic and allowing for self-evolution. You know, I think Mm -hmm. that is so important. And that's my greatest hope for my kids is that they really, that they're flexible with their dreams and they allow put something down. And if you pick it up later, great. And I really put, I mean, I didn't put down acting. I still had a a representation and I would still get opportunities, but I started a company that I ran for 10 years and um, 
nothing about it on paper was my dream. But Mm. the truth was that there were so many unexpected elements that it gave me that I think now revisiting and like reclaiming my acting has has been, I, I don't think I could ever be the actress that I am now without that. And it taught me like I'm feeling empowerment. I love working with people. I loved making other people feel good. And so yeah, I also uh, would say it's, it's made you uh, really adept at producing. I mean, it's mm-hmm. right in the wheelhouse as well. Mm-hmm. So like going through all that has now made her not only, you know, gave her the, the other things that she needed as an actress, but as a producer, she stepped into this role and it's like, you know, takes right over because of the, what she had been through herself. I mean, in starting that business, she's going to be very modest, you know, starting one city by the time she was done, she was in 14 and had Eleven. built, I, Eleven. she learned, I say four, that's my story. <laughs> 14. I, I mean, boroughs, if you count all the boroughs, it's 14. <laughs> count the boroughs. Count <laughs> but she taught herself through all these things. And I always thought there would be a template, you know, like yeah. we would look at each other sometimes. God, I would think there'd be a way like people have been doing this. Like, why isn't there a way to, to already know? Like we had to figure everything out. We, she had to figure, I, I had to, I, I was the there. Royal we, the royal yeah, the royal we. <laughs> but she would figure everything out along the way, you know, and now watching that fall in as, as a producer, like things that are overwhelming to me that I can't even imagine starting. She's already up ahead, you know, well, thanks with the, uh, you know, with the, the reminder that we had a meeting already. But it's, it's true, right? Like nothing is ever a mistake when you're listening to what's inside. It's 100%. You don't know why you need it, why that voice is loud. And I am such a believer that the universe or whatever you'd like to call something higher than us, you know, is giving you open doors, you know, and whether you choose to walk through them and have the bravery to do so, I think the universe rewards courage and listening to that inner voice. It's not easy to do, but you need a year and then you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, mm. that had to happen because now this and this and this and who would I be without this? And yeah. Interrupting this episode to let you know about my weekly newsletter, What I'm Loving Lately. I share what I'm reading, watching, listening to, cooking, eyeing and buying, what I'm inspired by, and of course, what I'm loving lately. To subscribe, go to my website, sophiecollins.com and click subscribe now. It's so true. One of the things I like try to do all the time when I'm down on myself is like think about, okay, what have I done in three years? What have I done in five years? What have I even done in a year or six months? And realizing that those small incremental steps every single day are leading to the mountain you're climbing and that you will be climbing. Like you're never hopefully going to get to the top. That's the whole point is you just have to keep going. And that's like, if you can find the joy and the excitement and the contentment in the journey, like it's just fun at the end of the day. Like you just, you can just have fun with it instead of worrying about like achieving something and getting this and checking it off because it's like, okay, once you've checked that off, then what? Then you're going to have to figure out the next thing you're going to check off. I used to say like, I you know, this was like when I was in middle school, like if I could just say like one word on a TV show, like that's all, that's all I want. You know, this is sixth grade me. And then the truth is, is that you do that and that's not the mountaintop, you know, you barely even look around and notice the view because you're already like checking out the next peak. Yeah. And if you can't enjoy the view along the climb and acknowledge these accomplishments, then you're, you never feel like you're on the top. And I, you know? I don't even know about totally enjoying it though, too. But I think it's even also just in the realization that like when they say those were the days, these are the days. Yeah. yeah. It's not when we go to vacation in Cabo or drinks. It's not when you know, we're getting an uh, award somewhere, or I got that part that I've always wanted to be doing, or I'm on a show where I'm, I'm feeling good and happy. It's everything in between. And I, for so long was looking at those milestones and couldn't wait for that thing to happen. I just got to get through these days. So then I'm on a beach there. I got to get through this. And if marriage and committed relationship in any of its forms, and then also uh, children, especially it's like, there's a lot of repetition, as you know, there's yeah. a lot of like, okay, Groundhog's Day. Here we go again. What do you want? Oh, you just threw it on the floor. Okay. And then now it's okay. Off to school. Like it's just every day, you know, and we're kind of in the midst of that in some ways yeah. because, you know, also the stress, but yeah. this is it, you know, yeah. and like as, as tough as it is 
having money going out, not coming in and, and striking and whatnot. I'm fortunate in some ways that A, I can weather it. Mm-hmm. And that is not the case for, for so many. And, and I, I definitely realize that. But that this time with my, I have my youngest, my boy is, is 21 months. And, you know, I had that time with my daughter in Vancouver yeah. during the lockdown, you know, when we were during the pandemic, I had this time with her so much more than I'd ever had. And, you know, Kelsey had to remind me because I was always like, well, I've always been there. And she's like, I was like, well, yeah, I was. And she's like, remember then you had to leave six days after she was born to go. He actually pilots. He booked the good doctor pilot on my due date. Oh, and I think you told he me had, that. He filmed it when she was a week old. Yeah, because she was two weeks late. So yeah. I didn't have I was like, are we going to have to induce this baby so he can tell the doctor? Oh, my God. And we had a feeling about the show, but I was like, I think you need to be there at your first child's <laughs> right. birth, yeah. you know? It's but, like, so well, like, I you know, there, big break. You know? Yeah, another big break, another mountain to climb, or your daughter's birth. <laughs> so in my head, I was there, but I wasn't there, you know? And then, like, left to shoot a movie for three weeks, you know, not that long after I had gotten back from that. But it was like, we also realized, like, it's all happening, and it's not convenient. It's not the way you imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's happening. Never and she was always so good to go like, you know, even if it wasn't, you know, well, this job isn't, you know, padding the coffers of our, you know, bank account, uh, or it's not the, the one that everybody's going to see, but I'm learning something for it. And so for me, I've decided to do this project and for her to go, okay. Yeah. At a time when it's so difficult has been an absolute blessing. But, you know, then pandemic came around and, and suddenly had all this time with my daughter and and when it was just her. And now I feel like this time I'm having with my boy, it's it's just so, and it's hard to remember because you get yeah. stir crazy a bit. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, it's been going for a long time too, the strike. Like this is a, a very, very long period of time. Right. I mean, we're, we're close to 70 days actors alone and like- The writers are- 100 and something days for the writers already. But I just meant yeah. parenthood. Yeah, and, that too. And the way that- <laughs> <laughs> We're a lot of days into that. <laughs> Being able to step back and go, these are the these days. Are the this days. is like, yeah, yeah. You know, an impromptu bath with my boy and and uh, running around playing keepy uppy with the the balloons and the, <laughs> with my daughter each day before she goes to school. We're really into bluey, and therefore the balloon game keepy uppy. Has oh, a big I need to. Game. I'm like, note to self: should buy some balloons on the way home. Balloons are like the uh, best. <laughs> Highly recommend. Okay, but wait, how? Yeah, how do we do balloons when it comes to the environment? Because I am always, whenever I get balloons, I feel very stressed out, and I think of you, and I'm like, does Kelsey do balloons? (laughs) We should feel stressed out. You're a little. What would Kelsey do? Yeah, Kelsey would not do this. Kelsey would not do this balloon arch. And no, no, no. (laughs) Ours are reused balloons. They're so cute balloon arches, though. (laughs) I know. You know. I think that. So this is a bag of balloons that we bring out every Halloween. And we've been going through this bag slowly for the last seven years. So, yeah. okay. Um, Pretty good. You know, is not to be perfect, but to be reasonable, you know, and to still have a joyful, full life while doing what you can. And I, Haley, my sister and I, we live together. Um, with, we live with my sister and brother-in-law in what was originally a joke that we should start a compound and then... During COVID, we were like, wait, we should start a conversation. We're doing it. <laughs> so now we have we have three chickens, three dogs, three kids, solar panels, and we're growing as much food as possible. And and you know, we are just doing the best that we can in a way that is my permaculture teacher always says it the best that really like living in sync with nature is all about observation. And if you feel stressed you're doing it wrong right so i try to remind myself that okay as a parent, i'm doing it like, wrong that <laughs> i don't and trust me, yeah trust me i have to say this in my head all the time you know and i'm like wow i'm in the garden and i'm like really worried about my squash right now like maybe i should just sit back and take my shoes off and ground myself mm. and just not let the stress of this, like if this squash doesn't work out, it'll be compost and new life will come out of it and it's not worth it, you know? So sometimes a balloon game is really, really joyful and fun. Yes, it's true. You have to leave room for the joy. At other times, it's 
the killing of worlds. Yeah. Yeah. So like speaking to that, Kelsey, like what changes have you guys made, the two of you and your commune and your life? And where did you start? And if you had some tips for people who are still kind of new to this eco-realization and maybe they have a bit of eco-anxiety, like where would you recommend people start in their own homes? I, I want to, this is a great question and I'm not going to no, infringe you. on this at all, but I do want to say some of what we talk about and are going to talk about is impossible for everyone. Yeah. Sustainability, organic, all these other things are so expensive. Yeah. And just know that if you can afford it, do it and because it's making it less expensive for people, at least the models that we're investing in um, when that comes to sourcing meat and different things that... Um, but if we can invest in these models and help them expand, make them cheaper for everyone else, uh, that's something we do. But I, I think it's very important to say, like, look, you, it, nothing is worse. Nothing is worth this stress because of, well, financially, it's so hard to, then, you know, you got to do what you can do and it's okay. Yeah. It's you got to let yourself off the hook with something. However, yeah. you know, Whole Foods exists and uh, because of consumer demand. So the people that can't, you, you used to have to find organic food in specialty stores yeah. because consumers weren't asking for it. So, and now it's a regular, you know, easy to find in every kind of supermarket. Yeah. Um, so prices are going down. And if you can't afford it, then it's a really important investment to make. Um, and I do think that there's a lot of what, like what you said is absolutely true, but it's becoming less and less true as organic food becomes much more affordable. And there's something called um, the the EWG, the Environmental Working Group, has um, um, their website is phenomenal. I use it for all of my skincare and everything. I don't put anything toxic or I try my best. Yeah. I do dye my hair. Well, um, so not perfect. Blonde's got to be um, blonde. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> Mine's totally natural. <laughs> is it? <laughs> um, you did say 25 years, Nick, in the game. I mean, we can yeah, do some yeah. math. I was heard in 1998, graduate from Stanford. <laughs> so there's something called the Dirty Dozen. And I do think one of the best things that you can do is support organic farmers. The Dirty Dozen are 12 items that you should definitely buy organic or potentially find conventionally grown alternatives. Um, but they're the ones that have the most exposure to pe pe pesticides. Mm -hmm. So I think that that is the number one thing to do. And then they also have the clean 15. And these are 15 foods that if you buy them conventionally grown, okay, we're not as worried about pesticide use. But there is a saying that you spend your money at the farm or you spend it at the pharmacy later exactly what I later doing. in your yeah. life. So there is a financial correlation to your health and making that investment in your food. That's a big thing is making that investment in yourself because people don't feel they're worth it or fast food and, and um, highly processed food has become so inexpensive that mm -hmm. how can you argue against, I can go to uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken and get $8.99 for a family thing that's going to feed my family plus give us leftovers. But trying to do that otherwise, sometimes we just don't realize just how cheap real yeah. food can be as, yeah. if you're not in a food desert and you know have access. But how cheap it can be and cooking for oneself, it's just we've also become so lazy. Our convenience has become the thing that's become yes. that manacle on our neck pulling us down because it's so convenient. You know, and it's so hard sometimes to, you know, plan your food out and take a little time as a family yeah. making it together. And so if I remember talking to you like four or five years ago and you were talking to me about cooking and I was like, huh, I, you're <laughs> like, how I'm so curious, like, how do you feed yourself? And I'm like, <laughs> how do I feed myself? I was always know? the cook, you know, in our family. <laughs> And um, so you've been truly a real source of inspiration for us and and how you prepare your meals. And that, that is something that's really, really important to us now. From my perspective, the biggest thing that we can do is change the way this country grows food. We monocrop. It's creating extremely degraded, dehydrated land that can't hold water. We spray our food with poison. 
It's in our water, it's in our air, it's creating a health crisis. So if you can grow your own food or, you know, cook for yourself foods that are as healthy as you can afford as possible using the EWG's um, recommendations, I think that that is a great way to start. Mm-hmm. And, and I also think ultimately, you know, covering bare ground, if you see bare ground around you, like we have a jar in our on our kitchen sink where we keep all of our old pits of every single fruit that we eat. And we go on hikes and we throw those pits out the window, hoping that there'll be trees one day. It's an old Japanese tradition. I don't even know the name for it, but it's something that... Yeah, they save all of their... I love that. I sprinkle clover seed and alfalfa around as everywhere I can. If you see green ground, we're good. If it's bare, it's not doing so great. So, um, And then in, in America, there's all these federal rebates for getting solar panels on your house. I think that's a really great step and something for everyone to look into. Our, you know, water and power bill is, well, I guess most relevant is our power bill is change um, mm-hmm. because we basically exchange that cost for what we pay for our solar panels. We had a surplus actually. Yeah, wow. we have a surplus. So, and then we really liked doing when we were working on setting up our home you know, really taking the toxins out of our home, looking at what paint we were using and what products we were buying. But I think the the big change that I'm personally trying to work on right now, and we're trying to do it together is, do I, is my consumption, my full on addiction to consumption? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I'm not alone. We're surrounded by a community of addicts. (laughs) We're addicted to needing more and more things. And so I started a list on my phone on notes. And every time I think I need something, I put it on this list. And I tell myself I have a 24 hour band before I get it. And let me think about it for a second. Is there a slower, more local way that I could source this if I actually really need it? I've just decided that I need no more new clothes. I just, I'm fine. Yeah. No, it's it's, something I think about a lot, like especially in my line of work with what I do, like through my own personal brand is, well, like it's part of what supports me. But then how do you approach it from a standpoint of not wanting more? But what I try to do is like be inspired by the new season looks. And I like I love fashion, but I try to look and say, okay, like I loved this runway show. Like what was the vibe? And I'll I'll even print out photos or maybe don't print them out because it's probably not the point of this conversation. But look on your phone, look (sighs) at the photo and literally go to your closet and say like, okay, I see like a black blazer in three of these photos. And like, I still have this black blazer and like, maybe I can like get it tailored to be more structured because that's the look this season or whatever you can do. But there's so like shopping your own closet. To me, it's more about the inspiration that you gather. And then like, how can you bring it back and shop your own closet, like shop secondhand thrift? I'm not, uh, not going to lie, not good at that so far, but there's so many options now for, you know, even just bopping down Main Street in Vancouver. Like there's 15 like, incredibly cute and fashionable stores that have like the newest looks, except like they're 45 years old because everything comes back. You know, and that, and that leads into all parts of our life, though, too. Yeah. You know, like um, one of the really cool things she does for gifts, you know, she's going to Etsy and a lot of times getting vintage clothing and, you know, used clothing certain things that like, oh, so-and-so would love this. Or, you know, a lot of times it's in the form of t-shirts. That's a little bit easier and we wear so many of them. But like those kind of gift ideas, not only patronizing a local business or, or, um, you know, female owned, you know, whatever the different things are, you know, you can find it. Um, It just takes a little bit more time at at times. And we've enjoyed that. I mean, literally right before this, I was, I just bought some repurposed jeans, some jeans that had been kind of fixed back up a little bit and put back out there to be sold. Now, like the perfect fitting, you know, and for a third of the price, you know. Yeah, t-shirts and jeans, like they're better vintage. Like they're better. Like vintage yeah. Levi's, they're better than contemporary jeans. Like go to Etsy, well, go to those places. What's so exciting is our 18-year-old niece came to stay with us this summer and she's a fashion merchandise major. And I was like, I'm here to report from the younger generation that it is super uncool to buy new stuff. 
Yeah. Like everything. And I would say, should we go to the thrift store? And she'd be like, first of all, it's called thrift. And I'm like, oh, okay. She was giving me all the cool lingo on how I can. It's not a flea market. Yeah, it's yeah. a flea. <laughs> the flea, um, okay. Just so everyone here knows what the 18-year-olds are saying. And we went around the city I live and visiting these vintage stores and going to the fleas. And I was so inspired by that and how and how this younger generation is looking at things. And by the way, she's wearing like everything I wore in college. Yeah. Uh, she'll be like, hold it. She'll be like, look at this shirt. I'm like, yeah, that's called a going out top. You wear it with a horrible, <laughs> chunky belt and platform rocket dogs. Yeah. No. It's, she's like, oh my God, do you see rocket dogs? I'm like, what? What is happening? How am I vintage? But I honestly have yeah. met a few young people lately myself. And <laughs> I immediately talk to them about like what they're excited about. And almost every single one is like the environment. Every single like person under the age of 20 is super excited about the environment. I was recently at an event in Montreal, our launch in Montreal. And I met this incredible, smart, young writer who was interning at Elle. And I was like, what are you excited about? Like, what are you writing about right now? And she's like, I am so excited about circularity and how brands can bring that in to their own, bring it in-house. Like, no matter how big or small you are, like, figure out a way to bring that in. And I've been talking to Peter about this over the last couple of months. Like, okay, how can we do this with One Wednesday? Like, we're obviously so small, but even just like people selling back dresses and, you know, repurposing that. And I've you know, I've had this idea for actually a very similar business idea for so long. And it's really, really exciting to me. Like it doesn't always have to be doomsday. Like you have to talk to no. the next generation and and get their ideas and get them involved in the conversation. And you know what? Sometimes you need new things. Yeah. And if today's the day you have to buy a new thing, then let yourself have joy around that. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine who I said, we had this date night and we went out to get dinner and we got served our plates of food and they were so beautiful. Like they prepared them so wonderful. And I looked at the food and I said, I know all this stuff about organic gardening, organic agriculture. And I don't know if this food right now is organic. And yeah. I've had this like rising anxiety of what am I doing? Am I being dishonest right now? Am I, di- am I disconnecting un- in an unaware way? And my friend said wisely, just be aware, be aware that right now I'm choosing to enjoy this gorgeous meal. Yes, I don't know where it came from or whatever, but right now I'm just going to be here and I'm going to let myself eat this amazing food. And I don't need to have my anxiety, even if it's well-founded, override my joy, you know? You know, a perfect example, we were thinking about this recently is, you know, we were we're dealing with our daughter who, you know, likes candy, like, you know, any other child, she's six and a half, but like red 40, you know, that we know is made from petroleum, these colors that, you know, that, that are used in food, artificial coloring, you know, and can be so bad for you, but also realizing, you know, like I grew up on, I, I, I yeah. you look at Skittles, yeah. you know, it has the red 40 and I, I, I can't even put a number on how many bags of Skittles I probably ate in my, in my time. Um, I don't eat them anymore, but what I think it's about is, you know, sometimes these small amounts and at these certain times, you know, look, we don't want our kid putting poison in it, but at the same time, some of these amounts are negligible. What it is, it's these things that we eat a lot of. And when I was yeah. young, I ate a lot of skills. So therefore, you know, that's, we don't learn to get in that habit, but it's a matter of like those things that you're eating so much of, like when we eat a lot of meat in our diet, make darn sure that that meat is good and clean. Yeah, because we're eating so much of it that it will affect you, that you're worried about glyphosate, which you should be in your wheat, you know, and you want to go organic, at least with bread. You know that if we're eating that every day and I'm feeding that to my child, their body is composed of this food. And if it's diseased meat and highly inflamed, you know, look, are we still going to eat at our favorite barbecue place? We go back to Texas at times. Sure. You know, some of the places are getting in line and they're, you know, farm table grass-fed grass finished and and all that kind of great but you know it's it's more about like what you're putting great amounts in, in and just body. for a quick cost for people on what how we source our meat we use a yeah. company called rep provision out of oklahoma they ship us a box of their meat we reduce our carbon footprint by shipping the same box back to them um that is 125 dollars a month 
it feeds us and my sister and brother-in-law. So we split that cost. And then we use a company called Pasture Bird for both of these are regeneratively harvested and grown meat. So that are very kind to their animals because that's really important to us. And Pasture Bird for four adults and two children, their infant son isn't eating foods yet, um, but they're $100 a month. So, and that's a really, those are numbers that I think are not so out of line. Yeah, with we do what have we, to keep ourselves from ordering food, you yeah. know, and like ordering up because we get lazy and stuff and go, you know what? We have the food here. Yeah. This is cost effective. This makes sense. Yeah. Let's spend our dollars smart. Let's prepare our food. Let's give thought around our food. So for me, I think that agriculture has, and the way and the convenience of food has disrupted our connection with nature, with our bodies. We think it's so convenient. You know, we used to be hunter-gatherers and our whole existence was all around sourcing our food. Now it shows up on our doorstep on Instacart and we're sicker and more stressed out than ever. So making food a central part of your day and asking yourself, who grew this? Were they paid fairly? Is there anything I could do to change that? Could I go to a farmer's market? Could I meet my farmer? Could I ask them if they're not organic, if they use pesticides? Because that's a great way also to save on costs. Sometimes you can get really cost-effective food. It's expensive to get the organic certification. Mm -hmm. So if you go and meet your farmer at a farmer's market, you can ask, hey, are you guys just not certified because you can't pay for it? And they will say a lot of them, like the one we just saw, We'll say, yeah, we are. We don't use pesticides or anything, or we use pesticides on this, but not on this. It's like, great, I'll take that. Yeah. So connecting yourself to nature through food is a great way to have a huge impact. And I think sometimes it's like, life to me is like a series of split second decisions. And if you just try to make the next right decision and do the next right thing, it can lead in a really beautiful place. Like, even, okay, tonight, it's three o'clock now. My kids eat at five. Like, what time am I going to be home? It's like, okay, what can I get on the table that's going to take me 20 minutes so that when Charlie like starts freaking out and wanting snacks, like I have something, I have something prepared Boy. instead of always doing the easy thing and ordering out and bringing food in. Because at the end of the day, like you feel better when you cook your own food, even if you're not a good cook. It's like, get some olive oil, get some sea salt. That's basically all you need to make a meal delicious yep. and good ingredients. And it really doesn't have to be harder than that. You know? A hundred percent. Gosh, we I when you described Charlie with the snacks, I'm like, <laughs> I, the second I put Leo in that high chair, I'm like, I got to have the food oh. right now or we will just be pointing everywhere. Where's the snacks? It's like it has to be ready like a half an hour before dinner time just to have the food there so that when the snack question comes, I mean, and I like, half bam, the time I don't is. do it. Like half the time it is snacks and like whatever. It is what it is, but you just try and you try to make the, the next right decision. So I know we're running up on time. So I just wanted to, we'll just like switch gears a little bit and The last thing I always ask my guests are, what are you obsessed with and what makes you feel your best? It doesn't have to be like rapid fire. You can elaborate. But Nick, why don't we start with you? What are you obsessed with? What makes you feel your best? Besides me, obviously. I (laughs) I don't want to have to say that, but it doesn't take much from her to make me feel my best. Okay. I'm obsessed with with my family right now. There's not an hour that passes that we don't look at them and look at each other and go, I know. We're so blessed. This is a golden period. Yes, things keep happening in our lives and hit us from left, right, and center, and it's hard. But, you know, that's why we we try to concentrate on these other moments, which these are those days. So that's what I'm obsessed about. What was the second question? What makes you feel your best? I saw your supplement cabinet when I stayed at Kelsey's parents' house. So we can dive into some of those if that's what you want to. You know, what makes me feel my best is when I'm being myself, I think, when I'm really, truly comfortable to be myself and am heard and seen as that. I love that. 
I'm obsessed with my family too. Um, but... You don't have to say that. <laughs> people like take the, it's so funny. People take this question in like two very different directions. Like some people are like, okay, my favorite mascara is, and then other people are like, it's my family. My favorite mascara. <laughs> okay. This one garden. Well, yeah. So I am obsessed with my family, but I am also obsessed with gardening right now. I got, and I'm obsessed with the process of approaching challenges with a peaceful heart. That is very challenging for me, especially with a garden where everything is either so it's so visual. So it's either so beautiful and going so great and everyone can see it or it is like dying dead and everyone can see that it's not going great. <laughs> so um, I've and felt- while I'm looking at a gorgeous green around right now, as I look into our backyard that she's created this it's, Shangri-La. It's Ugh. going, it's going well, even Dead. when it's not going well, it's going well, you know? So I'm obsessed with gardening and in terms of feeling my best, a new thing I've been doing is I've been really learning about my cycle mm. and my and how I can enhance my creativity and my physical exertion, my exercise around it. I recently put all of my um, phases into our calendar and included him on it. We're in the luteal phase, right? Now. I'm like, <laughs> we yeah, just left the luteal. He needs to get the calendar, <laughs> calendar today. Um, but I, I now will say to him like, hey, this is a great week to like wine and dine me. Like I'm feeling yeah. great. Yeah. And yeah. then another week, like not do not bring me conflict right now. Like yeah. I do not need to like, and bring me little conflict, but not major world shifting problems. Like it's going to overwhelm me and my body's going through a lot right now. Yeah. So I've been really that. taking on that adjustment. One of my friends has been working with a cycle coach and I was so interested in this and allowing myself to go through those cycles yeah. um, in a way that authentic and, and noting that I'm more productive when I don't fight against my body. And allow yourself that rest when you need it. Yeah. The back half of in this most simplistic terms, the front half of my cycle is highly productive, lots of communication, very extrovert. And the back half is introverted, restful, restoring. Get out of my face. Don't bring me that. Yeah. You two super moms like all, you know, realize that, that it's, you give so much time and there isn't really enough, right? Already, yeah. but making that space for yourselves and being demonstrative about what you need. And because, you know, we're grappling with stuff ourselves on the other side that I, you know, also need to be reminded and it's okay. Yeah. And times I want to know everything without having to be reminded, but there's other times when I don't know what cycle we're in and then I do something stupid. Um, <laughs> but- <laughs> well, the, the Google Calendar... Updates but check are the really calendar, Nick. Just, I just got a the calendar. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to communicate that in the second half. Check the calendar. Check it yourself. Yeah. I love that. That's. I mean, I feel like I could talk to you both for hours, and I have. Kelsey, I think our last dinner was like three and a half hours. I know. Nick, it was are so, you okay? And I'm like, we're, just, we're barely through on pretty. I know. I was like, I feel like we just scratched the surface. But thank you both so much for taking the time today. I know that you both have so many commitments and family, and it's just such a pleasure to chat with you, even if this is like the easiest way to get on your calendars. It's an honor. Your influence in my life has been so wonderful. Wonderful, and we're so proud of everything that you're doing. And truly, it's an honor to be on your show. It's not. It's not too much to say that you've inspired us, yeah, and that uh-uh. you had a huge change and effect on the way we live and the oh. what we look at. That directly came from you. Yes. Wow. Thank you. Well, honestly, the feeling is mutual. And also, just so we don't have anybody too mad. Oh, it wasn't my choice to leave. I didn't want to leave. I, I was very happy. And um, I, it's something to this day that I continually, daily, as the show continues to make it around the world and continues to be a big success and people are just now getting into The Good Doctor, um, it is a daily thing for me opening up Instagram and there's messages from Russia, from India, from Brazil saying, oh my God, I just found this show and I, I, I love you or, or you were really mean in the beginning or I'm really starting to like you now. And then, and then inevitably, those same people later on, why didn't you tell me? Oh my God, what the hell happened? 
this is ridiculous, you know, and then, and I have to kind of almost live it over again. And again. But it is a total so indication of, yeah. of your performance yeah. having such an amazing effect and daily. It affects people still. No, it does. I mean, I was overwhelmed by the questions about your character on The Good Doctor. And I wasn't surprised because I know we've talked about this before and I felt the same, but it's amazing to have that sort of connection with fans like time and time again, as you said, like it gets to a new country and then they go through that arc and that's a huge testament to you and your work. I'll, I'll take it over over the ladder of, you know, nothing, right? Yeah, um, And I, I, I'm so appreciative of fans and their um and their love of of the show and of melinda's of course and i think the mission there was to break people's hearts and yeah they did they did and they broke ours too but they broke some hearts and that's because people really cared about melinda's that's a good thing well i I know i was gonna say duty is calling so where can everyone find you and how can everyone um catch up with all of the incredible work you're doing not only in the garden with soil but also future productions i guess our instagram is probably the best way to stay in touch we put a lot that we really care about um on, on there so mine is at art for art's sake and mine is at ltexmex e-l-t-e-x-m-e-x Amazing. I will put that in the show notes. And thank you so much, Kelsey and Nick, for joining me today. Thank you. We love thank you. Thank you, Self. We love you. Thank you so much for listening today. You can find me on Instagram at Sophie C. Collins or on my website at sophiecollins.com. And you can find my brand One Wednesday at one underscore Wednesday underscore shop on Instagram or onewednesdayshop.com. If you liked today's episode, please share it with a friend. And if you have time, leave a rating and review. I hope you have an amazing day. Thanks to Podfather Creative for editing and production.